truth. What is truth? Truth is reality. It can be confirmed by evidence. It is verifiable. And we seek to find it. Welcome to Euphonaut Radio. Euphonaut Radio is a show that takes you on a truth journey outside the matrix to examine the worlds of ufology, the paranormal, and new science. Open your mind as we search for the truth that most are afraid to discuss. This is Euphonaut Radio with Jesse Randolph and only on PSN Radio. Euphonaut Radio, Jesse Randolph at the helm with Angel Espino, the angel of ufology. Wow, welcome back. It is the 30th of January 2017 and sure has been a long time we missed you hopefully you missed us but here I am back in the chair in the bunker waiting for you to join us tonight for another terrific program where we explore the strange where we explore the unknown sometimes ufology sometimes paranormal sometimes it's just who knows what because the guest flakes but I want to introduce my co-host, the one and only, the Angel of Ufology. I haven't heard his voice in so long. Angel, are you there? I counted in present, my good friend. Well, it's great to hear your voice. You know, I'm talking so fast tonight, I feel like I'm Solaris Blue Raven. I know. I thought either that or you were Cuban. It was one or the other, because we talked <laughs> fast. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm the, I drank a lot of coffee today. You know, some friend of mine. Tell. I can tell. Caffeine I, rush. A huh? friend of mine, Randy, not Captain Randy Kramer, who I'm going to talk about in a minute here, um, but Randy, a friend of mine, roasted some coffee for me down the street, and I thought, oh, God, this coffee's going to suck. You know, I'm kind Is of this snob. the amazing Randy? No, it's not the amazing Randy, who I have a story about, too, if you ever want to hear, but just a guy named Randy. Can he just be a, just some dude? It's the, he's not like a famous guy, you know what I mean? He's not trying to say, hey, I roasted coffee on Mars for eight years. You know, he's not that kind of guy. He's just a guy. And he roasted me some coffee, and I've been drinking it all day, and you know what? It's really good. So, Randy, if you're listening, thank you, brother, because you have enabled us to get through these sound problems that we've been having and some of our IT issues, and thank God... Uh, the angel of ufology knows what he's doing when it comes to those weird boxes known as computers. And here we are. Between you and me, we got on the air. So welcome back. Uh, we've been gone for almost a month now, I believe, from month live. and a half, yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. It's really tough. And, you know, in Portland here, for the break over Christmas, not only did I get this vicious cold that's been sweeping the nation, I mean, it is like a plague it's not a cold. It's a plague. And in both in my daytime job and outdoor, outside of that with guests and such, we've heard people dropping like flies. So if you have avoided this cold, good for you. But if you haven't, I feel your pain because it is quite a nasty one. And when you mix that with this crazy snowstorm that we had here, I'm just trying to set the tone here, Angel, for what happened to me over the break. I got this right, cold. right, right. Okay, and then Snowmageddon hits Portland, which is basically these geniuses in Ooh. meteorology. They decide to not tell us until about two hours before it hits, if two hours, that we're about to get like a foot of snow, which we never get. 
So the place was shut down. I mean, you couldn't go anywhere. Now, if you live in a major city, you remember the plows and all that kind of stuff. They don't have that here because it never snows and they don't spend the money. Right. So basically I was waiting for them to like claim my street. Never happened. And didn't happen down the street. I couldn't get to the bank. I couldn't get anywhere. All I could do was just stay home like a kid from school. And there was nothing I could do. So I said, wow, here I am. I'm back to YouTube land. I'm back to <laughs> researching stuff. I'm going into my crazy zone, right? My 3, 4 o'clock in the morning crazy zone when I'm not watching food challenges. I'm watching UFO videos, right? Those are fun, Jesse. Those are fun, though. Oh, my God. I got sucked into these Carolina Reaper videos. Yep. Have you seen these? So good. Yep. Oh, my. Okay. So if you you haven't seen them and you want to laugh and you need a break from stress or whatnot, go in there and write uh, Food Challenges Carolina Reaper. And you watch all these kids or adults or moms, you name it, grandmas, and they will eat these incredibly hot peppers. What are they, the hottest peppers in the world, Angel? So, some of them are, yeah. Well, they, they showcase some of the hottest peppers in the United States. Uh, some of you know, different regions claim different things. But, yeah, they, that's pretty much the gist. Yeah, so that's what they do. They they, they uh, videotape it, obviously. Videotape it. They tape it. Right, obviously, yeah. <laughs> and I, I can't believe I still get in trouble for saying, where's my telephone? And they're like, what is a telephone, these kids? Hey, so... Carolina Reaper videos are funny, and they will grab you. And I also get taken in by some of the other food challenges. There's this guy, his name's Atlas, and he travels all over the world, and he does like this Rocky Balboa, turn your hat around kind of thing, and he takes on every challenge at every restaurant around the world that has challenges for eating psychotic amounts of ginormous food. So it sounds stupid, and... uh it is stupid. Hold on, his name is Atlas, and he travels all around the world, huh? That's kind of ironic. Atlas, the Atlas Challenge. Uh, yeah. If you type that in, you'll find him. He's he seems like he's a little off. No, he's not off. He's he seems like a, a nice guy, but uh, God knows what he's doing to his stomach. You know what I mean? Ooh, yeah, no kidding. So, so getting back to our zone here. Go right, ahead. Right. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, well, you were busy in your blizzard. Yes. It sounds like, it sounds like you got you got a lot of rest though the last uh, month and a half. I did. I slept a lot. Yeah. And, but not at night. At night, the witching hours, as you know, the the ones that I like to delve into, the uh, the hours ah, of yes. midnight till five, as you know very well. We've spoken into the night over the years, and that's not where a, not I, in a creepy way, by the way, not in, not in a weird way. Just no, not well, not like that. But yeah. yes, I. <laughs> that's where I get my best work done. I that quiet time where everyone else is asleep. And sure enough, something has been nagging me in ufology since the beginning of this uh, new show, new version of Euphonaut. And that has been nagging me from day one. It had been nagging me before. It's one of the reasons I came back. And it was to help make ufology relevant again, right? And we had gone with that because obviously there was a presidential election and that was a tagline for one of the candidates, make America great again. We were doing make ufology great again. Uh, relevant again. And within that came this Snowmageddon, and I got thrusted into something called the Secret Space Program, the SSP. And I wanted to talk a little bit about it tonight because 
to me, the SSP represents a lot of things, not just the secret space program. Now, when I say SSP to a lot of people listening, they're going to go, I don't know what you're talking about, but you know what? We're going to let you do some Google searching on that. Okay? So if you type in secret space program, what's going to happen? What's going to happen is an entire montage, a plethora of information is going to come up that's going to blow your mind. It's going to blow your effing mind. Okay? Basically, you're going to see all kinds of whistleblowers. You're going to see a whole nother world of ufology that you didn't know existed if you don't follow, uh, if you follow the mainstream ufology folks who are doing actual research. You know, like, uh, you know, I'll pick anybody offhand, but, um, you know, one of my favorites, Kevin Randall, you're not going to find any references to the secret space program. Right. Unless he's, yeah, guys like that don't, they don't spend their time on it. Right, and there's right. good reasons for that. Now, the people behind the secret space program, I'm going to, I'm going to name some of these characters, Angel, and you'll know where my head has been from midnight till 5 a.m. for most of the break, okay? Gaia. Gaia TV, okay? Uh, oh, Sean Stone. Yep. Buzzsaw. Uh, David Wilcock. Uh-huh. Uh, a guy, a guy by the name of Corey Good, that plenty of you are probably well versed in at this point. Now I was late to the game. I was a little late to the game. I had heard about Secret Space. I had listened to some Camelot videos. Of course, Carrie Cassidy is one of these characters. All right, Bill Ryan. Uh, I could go on and on. Uh, uh, Bill Tompkins is is a character right now who is uh, very hot in the SSP genre. Uh, the super soldier movement, that subgenre, and that's where we got into trouble with uh, Miss Blue Raven, if you remember. Uh, she was a uh, a person involved with that subset. I don't even know what it's a subset of at this point, and that's where uh, I'm going with. That's what that's what it was. I thought she was just crazy. That's, that's what I was. Going well, with. I think that's where I'm going with some of this too. Okay, good. So, you know, a lot of people have asked me, you know, what do you, what's your take on the SSP? And I loved it. I will say the entire break, I've never been so entertained. Okay, Bassagio. Um, I, I say Bassagio. <laughs> his name wrong. You love it's, that guy. Come on, get it right. <laughs> I'm going to get it right. Bassagio. It's very... Bassagio. You got to say that. You got to massage your lips. Bassagio. It's like Bashago. I'm sorry, it's Bashago. I got no, it's it. Not. I can't Bassagio. Bas- have some other people. Alfred Weber. Yeah, he's cool. Eisenhower. These are people, and of course, let's not forget, last but not least, Captain Randy Kramer, who, if you are not familiar with, served in the Marine Corps, I believe. It was the Marines. Yes, the Marines. uh, For about six to eight years, uh, stationed on Mars the entire time. Now, these are amazing claims, of course. The SSP is this huge world where you can find people that have served in the military and other on other planets, um, have been involved in black programs involving commingling with extraterrestrials on different bases on the LOC, which is called the Lunar Operations Command. That's, of course, our home base on the moon. And you can go online right now. And you can listen to hundreds of interviews of people with some of the most entertaining stories I've ever heard in my life. 
I mean, I have to take my hat off to these people because I was entertained the entire time, the entire break. This is all I did, which is not new to people who know me because once I get involved in something, I have to learn everything about it and then I drop it. Okay. I haven't dropped this yet, but I've come to some sort of decisions and some opinions on what this represents, what's going on with this SSB, because very similar to folks like Alex Jones and fringe kind of conspiratorial uh, folks and radio and etc. media have come into the mainstream this year and last year and years prior. They're slowly seeping in so that a guy like Alex Jones is actually being discussed in the mainstream media is baffling. However, the same thing is happening with the SSP. So here's some of the conclusions that I came to at the end of this break real quick because a lot of people have been asking me. And I have to say, I am blown away what has happened. I think I have figured out what has happened with ufology. It's 2017. Steve Bassett's, you know, writing his new narrative, right? He's trying to figure out. A lot of people are excited about Trump because they think that he's a no-nonsense kind of guy and he's going to tell us about uh, ETs once he's briefed, right, which should be in the next uh, 60 seconds or so where they sit him down and they give him the football and they say, hey, uh, FYI, we got to tell you some other stuff, right? Well, I'll tell you this much. If he comes out tomorrow on uh, the news and he says he wants to build a wall around the earth, then I think disclosure is coming. <laughs> yeah, that's a. We're well, going to build a wall. It's going to be around the earth, and the grays are going to pay for it. When that comes out of his mouth, yeah, baby. Yes. Well, you know what? I will say this. By the end of this snowmageddon, these two weeks of solitude, uh, imprisonment, whatever you want to call it, I had here, uh, I felt like I had really gotten well, really well versed with SSP. Not like, you know, Carrie Cassidy might be or some of the other characters, but. I felt like I had a handle on it. And I will say this. What has happened is that folks within ufology, some of the people I just mentioned, and this is not to cut people. This is my opinion on what is going on. Okay, I would love your opinion too. You want to call on the show tonight? Pick up the phone. Just don't send me a mean email. That's silly. We love to hear. I love those. Or send it to Angel. Yeah, he likes that. What has happened is the following, in my opinion. Ufologists in general, investigators of the paranormal, especially within this genre that we love, have gotten so frustrated in the past few years that they have decided, and this is a coping mechanism, okay? They have decided to create an actual alternative reality. And in this, bear with me, within this alternative reality, all these things are possible. We have relationships with extraterrestrial beings. We we travel interstellar. We have bases on different planets within our solar system. We have free energy. We have time travel. I could go on and on, okay? What has happened is, just like if you were raped or beaten as a child... There are things you block out. There are coping mechanisms that your subconscious mind knows how to handle so that you can cope, so that you don't just crumble mentally. And these are systems, as we know. We are machines. This is a system. 
And this is what has happened in my opinion. There has been an alternative reality created and it has merged with the New Age community. And to make a long story short, I found some major issues. And I will bring up some of the points real quick on this alternative reality and why it's dangerous. Because we're very close. We're extremely close to ufology. (laughs) Ufology (laughs) just straight up science fiction. And that is very sad. And it's not fair to the people doing quality research. I will say this, and I'd like to keep the dialogue going. I would like to have some of these people on if they'd like to come on, David Wilcock or any of these folks. So we'll, we'll reach out to them. We'll, we'll, net, we'll let you know the status. I, I don't definitely uh, – I'm not sure if they would like to come on, but, you, you know, it doesn't hurt to ask. And sometimes you get surprised. I've been very surprised who have said yes to this show uh, in the past. And it's not such a hot seat, but I would love their reaction to these conclusions that I've come to. There is an alternative reality that has been created by the folks at Gaia and the folks within the New Age community where the following doesn't matter. Okay? And these are direct opposite. These are in direct conflict with the way that current, either you're a MUFON person or you're just uh, an outside private investigator, how people look at investigation and i will say some of the direct conflicts are is that there is absolutely no proof physical proof testimonial just first-hand evidence is all that these folks are going by these whistleblowers etc i have watched now hundreds of these interviews of the whistleblowers within the ssp and the super soldier program and i can say with full candor that these folks have zero evidence, and I'm they're not just saying, repeating stories they've heard a billion times before. That's really yeah, how it I, is. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, Angel. I some of these characters are incredibly likable. Of they course, are, that's that's why they sell. They, that's how they sell their books. That's how they sell their documentaries, and they sell them on the lecture tours because they're they're approachable. They're they're presentable. They're nice speakers. They speak well. You know, they're, they're every con man in history. Has spoken well, has been presentable. Absolutely, and and this is my fear, is that it is so much easier to go on their side. It is so much easier to go. I want to go over to the right and take the blue pill, because guess what? Those guys are doing all the things I want to be doing. I want to leave the planet. I want to go to Mars. I want to talk to aliens. They're all doing it, and they know what's coming too. Mm-hmm. And if fan of David Wilcock, uh, this is a gentleman who has claimed disclosure was going to happen not as many times as Bassett, but plenty of times. Okay? Right, and it's, right, right. You know, it's tied to a date. We're going back to 2007 or something. Well, he's know? been around for a minute, and uh, not only that, remember, this is a guy who claims to be uh, Edgar Casey Reborn also. Correct. you got to keep Correct. that in mind as well. So, I mean, he's made many outrageous claims over the years, and uh, he's also a, a failed musician. We know that for a fact. Also, he he plays in a band. He's he's also a recovering uh, marijuana uh, addict. There's no such thing, sir. Well, the, you know, I, I, and I wasn't trying to laugh at that, but I did chuckle when I heard it because it is a very uh, heavy duty thing for him that he speaks about in one of his lectures, and I was like, "Is this a joke?" 
But well, apparently, he, 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 he looks like a stoner. Like, he looks like he just got off of the Scooby-Doo bus. Like, he kind of does. Look, I'm not going to throw cuts with at the his big, head. His hair cut head. Look at me. Five head, he has, like, four head, he has a five head. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to make fun of Bill Ryan's Indiana Jones hat. I'm not going to do that. That's just people. I, I look in the mirror, I laugh at myself. I don't care about that. What I care about is that there is something major wrong here, is that these folks have jumped the shark, is that folks like Linda Howe and folks that we thought were, you know, on the level and uh, and are approaching these subjects with a high level of scrutiny, which is what we used to always say here, are no longer doing that. And I keep coming back to guys like Rich Giordano and going, dude, you were right. Dude, you were right. But now we're at critical mass. Now we're in, pro- we're in a problem area because the folks at Whole Life and the folks in New Age Land, like I said, you, you were witness to it. You, you, you did the interview with me right before the holidays. We had a gal mm-hmm. on. As soon as we approached the subject of any sort of tangible proof, we were ostracized. We were, how dare you? These were the reactions we received, right. correct? Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. So this is a problem that we must continue to exploit. And it's not to hurt people. It's not to hurt their sales. You know, it, and honestly, it reminded me, not to cut you off, we're short on time because we have our guests waiting, but uh, it reminded me of what's going on recently with uh, the post-election with all the, liber- you know, the liberals going apeshit because, you know, their candidate didn't win. And uh, it's like we're in a society where if we don't get our way, if we don't, you know, if people don't treat us, treat us like the nice little princesses and just, you know, kiss our feet and make us feel nice and special and give us awards even though we came in last. If, we, if we're not treated like, you know, we're the best of the best and, and have an elitist mentality, uh, people just go apeshit and do what Solaris did or uh, what has been going on for the last uh, week and a half uh, in in the country, which is ridiculous. But, I mean, that's the society we live in now. Uh, you know, I purposely have decided to stay away from that topic tonight because but it's so true. I feel so conflicted and strange about what is going on with that. I chose you know to what's say- funny. You know what's funny, Jesse? We, we were playing a rerun of uh, this show before the show started, and it was actually a pretty fun uh, episode we did last year. And uh, in that episode, you were saying you were talking about how we we're on the po- uh, we we're on the cusp of having the first woman elected president, and I kept saying in the background, "It's not happening." Yeah, they have it. No. Oh, I, I ate so much. Listen, I ate a lot of crow during those, and, and you haven't had a chance to bust me for it. So, um, hats off to Buzz you. Away. I have. I have to say, you, were, you did call the election. You you called it from day one, and that mm-hmm. is something that I definitely own up to. And I think that's one of the reasons that we have some good listeners over the years is that they see that I'm pretty transparent. When I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Now, I want to put something out there before we get to our guests tonight, because we're switching gears. We're going to be talking about uh, going out there and finding ghosts and and some of the scariest stuff you can find. And our our, our guest tonight, uh, Steve Asher, I believe, correct? Steve Asher, and it's not just going out there and getting ghosts. Steve Asher was actually a, uh, he was, uh, a correctional officer in a penitentiary, and he has a long history of paranormal activity that has connected through his whole life, uh, and including the years that he worked in the penitentiary, and it's just, a, he wrote a book about it. It's really, really good stuff. Uh, you know, he's been on, uh, Skywatchers before, and there, you know, in his mind, there is a connection to you, to UFOs and ufology, so we're gonna ask him, a little bit about that also. Well, I would I, look. I want anybody's opinion on my conclusions here that I've laid out tonight. The SSP is a manifestation of the frustration 
and the downtroddenness mm-hmm. and the injustice and the backstabbing that has existed in this subject. People have gone in with good intentions and they've come out hating other people and having wasted time going after other researchers, not getting along. It's all because of two factors, and I've laid this out a few times. One is financial, obviously. No one's making money, hence they're all broke, and uh, they're all begging for change. And that's always yep. going to create a grumpy circle of people, right? Oh, that's yeah. ufology. Broke, grumpy, old suits, you name it. The other reason is, is because we are standing at an impenetrable wall for a very long time now. Keep in mind, there was more going on in this world within the space program, and I'm talking about mainstream space program, and there was a lot going on way before the first, I would say, you know, we're going back to 1940s, going into the 50s when we had guys like Donald Kehoe being able to talk to Congress and representatives and have hearings about this subject. We Mm -hmm. have come to an impenetrable wall. That we cannot get over. So what has happened is the folks at Gaia and the New Age community have decided to say, fuck it. Okay, Steve Greer, same thing. Fuck it. We'll just go talk to them ourselves and we'll create the narrative. And guess what? The narrative from the folks in the SSP, here's, here's the irony. The narrative with the folks in the SSP is even too hard for Greer to swallow. He doesn't even buy this, this stuff. Okay, and that's got to throw you for for a loop. I mean, think about it. These guys are too crazy for Greer. If he can't swallow it, nobody can. Yeah, and this is a guy who believes most of this stuff is 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 correct. Now, what's really interesting, if you get a chance, I know we're running low on time. Check out Greer responding to his take on Corey Good. Now, Corey Good. Uh, is a, is sort of, uh, David Wilcox's new, new whistleblower that he's been taunting around and, uh, escorting to different conferences all over from here to Shasta and in between. And he's the guy. He's the guy that has worked within the secret space program for years and he's been to the moon a dozen times and yada, yada, yada. And he's this pretty, quiet, reserved guy, and sure enough, he says everything with a straight face, how he's the uh, liaison to the blue alien folks. and These guys all sound like a bunch of UFO fills. Well, I'll just give you a quick, I'll just give you a quick, uh, uh, and somebody say, well, say something specific. And I said, you know, well, we're, we're really short on time, and our, our guest is waiting in the wings. Well, let's not do it. Let's not do it. Okay, okay. Yeah. I wanted, I had to put that out there. I had to put that out there for this audience. I want to know your take on what I've just laid out for you. If you have to listen to it again, it's important. There is a crazy narrative that is being digested and accepted because it's just so much easier than what these people had to do in the past 30 years, which is research, real research, not invention. Not finding a guy who can pull it off. And at the end of this snowmageddon, I was blown away. I was blown away that that's where we've come to. We might be a table one day at Comic-Con. Okay. Welcome to your 3.0. 3.0. We're switching gears. we got Steve Asher in the wings. We're going to bring him on. He's a paranormal investigator. And I'm anxious to talk to him because I'm always looking to get 
This shit scared out of me. Let's bring them on. But having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call key information solutions now. 954 3374 That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Here's a riddle for you. What do the California gold rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A. A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Del Shaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. Here's a riddle for you. What do the California gold rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A. A. Del Shaw all have in common? The Secrets of Del Shaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more.
Jesse Randolph here Monday night. Where else would you want to be? 2017, make ufology relevant again. Well, let me tell you something. The SSP is not the way to go. Don't take that pill as much as you want to. This is going to be something you're going to hear during the next few weeks. We have to look at this. We have to get a different set of lenses on this. Okay, Scrutiny is a good thing. You can do it without offending people. If they're offended and you're nice, then something's wrong. Changing gears tonight. But I do want to get his opinion on all this as well. Our guest, Steve Asher, is joining us. Steve, are you with us? I, I am among the living, yes, sir. Thank you. <laughs> well, you haven't gotten that far into the show yet. We'll see how we go here. Um, where are you calling in from tonight, sir? Uh, sleepy little town of Princeton, Kentucky. It's in western Kentucky. Um, it's, uh, I'm trying to think of a place that's close. We're about, uh, about 90 miles north of Nashville. So we're about as far, we're actually more Midwest. We consider ourselves Midwesterners here and we have a lot more probably to do with like Missouri and Southern Illinois than we do like Frankfurt or somewhere like that. Mm-hmm. And you, you have a background in correction. Uh, corrections department, correct? Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I had uh, did a total of ten years in uh, in corrections, and uh, seven of it was at the Kentucky State Penitentiary. And um, I mean, I had some smattering of different exposures, to, you know, being you know a jailer here or there, and just different little things like that in corrections. Which, I mean, as, as I mentioned to Angel before, you know, I started off as a musician and okay. an artist, and as time goes along, I realized. You know, um, I don't got the look to like sell a bunch of albums, so I'm like, I better get a different <laughs> job. And, uh, especially once I got married and started, you know, having those little knuckleheads, it was time to, uh, you know, get something that was steady. And in this area, um, prisons don't shut down. So that's- now there's a, a television program that I did catch the first season, uh, I think it's A&E, where they, uh, they show folks who just started in their first year as a corrections officer. Have you seen that show? I have seen. Uh, is this like the lockdown program? Because they actually had had no. a. This hmm. is a, a reality program about folks that are. Most of them seem pretty young too, uh, yeah. and they go into the corrections department and they show the training, and then they follow them during the first few months to see the washout rate and to show the kind of stresses that these people have to deal with. And I will tell you, even coming from a family where my father was a criminal lawyer, so I had a background of seeing some pretty hairy stuff over the years, I was blown away with what these people have to be responsible for in one day. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, I can tell you just from personal experience, uh, luckily, I had worked in a medium to um, actually, I should say a minimum to medium facility beforehand. So I had an idea of how to handle myself around inmates and and all that. And before I ever went to a maximum or super max uh, facility, and oh yeah, it's it's rough. Uh, we've had in the time that I would train people because you know worked there long enough, and that's sort of the way it works. You get your legs, you start mentoring other officers, and. That's how you survive. If you don't have someone, you know, if you're not up under somebody's wing or you're not providing a wing to somebody, odds are they wash out pretty quickly. And, um, you know, back, I mean, I knew at KSP, it was Kentucky State Penitentiary, you know, uh, they used to have a pool, you know. Okay, here's, here's the fish, you know, the newbies or whatever you want to call them. 
And uh, okay, well let's let's you know they would bet on who would who would make it, and who wouldn't. And I love taking the runts. I love taking the runts, and I love taking the the ones that probably not would wash out because they were dealing drugs or something like that. But just the kids that the little oddball kids. I loved I loved shaping those kids. I think it just came from years of being uh, in like punk bands and things like that. I've got a natural sort of dissenter quality, I guess. Better, but like. Well, that. you know what? We uh, we give a lot of props, well, and, and we should, to people who serve overseas or the armed forces, of course, anywhere. But Absolutely. we don't really give a lot of credit to the guys who are keeping the worst of the worst away from us every day. We just don't recognize them, and it's not anyone's fault. It's not brought to our attention that often. It's this show was pretty good at doing that. Uh, and it really made me open my eyes and say, wow, number one, I'm glad I'm not doing that. And number two, how the heck did these guys do this for so long, just dealing with some of the worst situations day in and day out? Well, I'll tell you, it's that old adage, um, out of sight, out of mind, uh, is extru- very true, more even, more even so, that's not even good English, more so due to the fact that the way, you know, our our state capital is quite a ways away from here, and we're not quite Appalachian area, but we're sort of like its ugly stepsister. And uh, so most of the money stays in that little area. So most of anything that happens in this area is is it's it's Spartan. And so that's one of those things where we do because we do have the supermax here. We do have the worst of the worst, and. At, at the Kentucky State Penitentiary, and we would get a lot of out-of-state out of guys. we get a lot of guys. You know how it is. Like, you yeah. have some guys that are high on the chain, maybe with certain uh, mob families or certain organizations. They'll ship them out, farm them out to different states to break that that group up, And uh, which, in I guess, in theory, was like, well, that's good. They can't communicate, but the thing is they're going to communicate. There's going to be ways of communicating. And basically all you're doing is planting seeds. You know, and you're building, making these other prisons a lot stronger. And uh, to take a kid off the street, like you said, literally, you know, a kid rolls in here at 21, 22. Um, I, I mean, how, pardon my language. I mean, I didn't start there until I was probably 25, and I didn't know what the, I had no clue what the hell I was doing. I mean, and this comes from a son that whose father was had been a guard there back in the 50s when it was like a lot of racial riots and stuff, and not, um, just not knowing what the hell I was doing, you know, and you, cause I wasn't at the age of, uh, sure. and, and street wise enough, good, bad, or indifferent to have uh, picked up some of those. And, but you learn quickly, you're going to learn quickly, or you're going to get called up. And you did this for how long? Or are you uh, currently doing? No, no, sir. No, I had did that for, uh, and don't take the sir thing wrong. That's uh, something my parents beat into me. I jokingly said, um, but yeah, I had done mm-hmm. corrections for 10 years and I, and- yeah, 10 years, and I did all I could there. You know, I uh, trained a lot of people. Uh, there a lot of people that I trained are lieutenants and captains. I've got people that I, that I trained and went off into went off into state police, canine unit officers, things like that. So um, that's if I have the legacy of beyond maybe writing about it, that would be it. But I did 10 years uh-huh. there, and I was just like, you know, I don't feel – there's a lot of bureaucracy there. Sure. In the state and I was like, you know, I I want to do something different. I I don't I want to feel like I don't want to feel like I'm digging a hose to turn around and see it's half filled up again and I'm redigging it. It just seems sort of uh, 
It just sounds like such a terrible way, and and I'm not trying. I'm just being candid with you. It yeah. sounds like such a horrible thing to have to get up every morning and go work with animals. Just horrible, <laughs> terrible people every day. And you say mornings. Sucks. You say mornings. I was a midnight guy. Uh, what you don't, uh, or you may know, I don't know. Uh, me and my wife uh, have special needs children. We, we've adopted a couple of little boys with special needs, epilepsy, and various neurological issues, and that's sort of where our heart's at, special needs people, and, you know, we do a lot with Special Olympics and advocate for epilepsy foundations and blah, blah, blah. Fantastic. But, well, That's no, awesome. I'm, well, I'm not tooting. I'm just, just telling you why I had this. Well, why not? Well, I mean, it's more of a, pre- a preface what I'm getting ready to tell you next. Hmm. Uh, so I did that, and uh, it got to the point where I was like, you know, I hate the job. I'm getting where I'm getting, hating the people I'm working with. I'm just done. So I was luckily able to get into a position where I could teach special needs adults life skills and things like that. Um, so that's what I did. I went did that. That's, and, that's awesome. And yeah. I, I would imagine it's much more rewarding. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a thing that, honestly, when I worked uh, most of the time in corrections, nine, eh, maybe eight-tenths of the time, I didn't have a lot of problems from the inmates. But I didn't, I never came in with that, well, you see my badge and yup, yup, yup. It was just like, look, we're here together. I've got to count you guys. Make sure you don't burn anything. Try to hopefully you don't rape anybody. And at the end of the day, I don't care. We get through that. I'm good with you. You know, if you do something so outlandishly silly in front of me, uh, as they would call it, you know, put you on front street, I would leave, look, you leave me no choice. You will put respect. I have to act. I don't want, so, I don't want to be that guy, you know. It sounds so stressful. It sounds so, you know, I hear, here I am when I worked in corporate, I'd get a cup of coffee. I'd sit down, maybe I'd look at a couple of emails, maybe I'd talk to a friend, maybe I would surf the web, you know, things like that. Uh, but you come into a job like that, and I only know from the program, right. but right off the bat, these guys are thrusted into stress. Just so, Yeah, next uh, time you complain about your job, think about yes. Steve over here and what he no. has to do. Well, Seriously. Well, I mean, I don't... It's it's a very it's strange animal. It's a strange animal. If if you take a kid that's worked fast food or um, whatever, you know, around here we got a lot of farms. So you take a kid that, you know, shoveled hay or stripped tobacco and this and that and whatever, and then you well, McDonald's is as dangerous as a maximum penitentiary. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I tried the gra- at the Grand Mac recently, and it was pretty damn good. Have you had that McGriddle? Somebody should be in prison for that. I'm just saying. Ah. I mean, I'm, no, for real. I mean, well, I know a lot of those guys get jobs at McDonald's when they get out. Um, but, but also, I mean, in all, in all seriousness, it I is one of the some of them. So hold on. Uh, yeah, so you have this artistic side to you, and you, and it must be. I don't want to stay on it too long because I want to get into some of the the really creepy stuff that you've delved into. But sure. let's segue by asking, how does a guy like yourself did you start to? Um, See things, or did you start to? Uh, did you have this in your in your personality set up before you went into corrections, where you were interested in these subjects? Uh, how did you get involved in the paranormal? Wow. Um. I mean, from from early on, my, some of my earliest memories were sort of connected with uh, the paranormal and death and stuff like that. Uh, um. My both all of my grandparents were gone by the time I was five, and that was like just quick succession, boom, boom, boom. And um, my well, on my father's side, there's a lot of German, Native American 
heritage. And on my mom's side, there was a lot of, a lot of French, like French Huguenots and that stuff. And anyway, they were somewhat superstitious. So they had a whole lot of different old wives tales and stories. And, you know, um, it was just one of those things. I don't know how to describe it. It was sort of a quasi Viking upbringing. My dad would come in from work. He would put his, uh, his gear up, his, his gun and all that. And, uh, he would come in and he, a lot of times he would be cleaning something in the sink and I'd be watching him cleaning the blood out of a pat, uh, you know, uh, I'm blanking, you know, a slapjack as we'd call it. I, you know, and, uh, even after my, my father had passed, cause both my parents passed when I was, uh, well, about 25, um, 25 or 26. And even after that, uh, when my brother was going through my dad's effects, cause he was the executor at the time, he said, we would talk about that old slapjack. He said, you know what? Sometimes, you know, I'll go just to clean them up and, and dust them off. He says, and if I spray anything and wipe it down, I still get blood off that. So, and he would tell us these stories and which that's dark enough. So already, you know, a little boy has ghoulish interest in, in scary stuff. Yeah. Uh, I was a long time, you know, that is scary lover of, you know, like Kolchak and all that old school hammer films. And then, you know, uh-huh. over when I really started reading more, you know, the horror comics and eerie and then jumped off into stuff like Stephen King and, you know, Edgar Allan Poe and, and, you know, all that stuff. Wow. And, uh, but as of actual, uh, actual brushes with the paranormal, I had a few of those. Um, we lived in a house that, you know, again, I can't, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, oh, I see ghosts or I, this and that, or I've recorded, you'd mentioned EVPs and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, I've had audio recordings of something. I have some sure. videos and, and pictures of something. I don't claim. Well, when you say you, you have, uh, like for instance, you mentioned EVP. So right. at some, some point, you, did you jump into investigation work with the paranormal? Yeah. Well, yeah. Because it was a thing that I was, I was exposed to a whole lot of different stuff. And, um, like you were talking about sort of the new agey thing. I'm, I never claim to be anything like an empath or anything like that. Uh, I do have a pretty good intuitive gut and that may have developed from really, I think it really super developed once I was in the prison because you had to have that. But yeah, um, I had, I did start with a group called the Caldwell County Paranormals. I didn't call it Ghost Hunters. We didn't want to call it Ghost Chasers. I didn't want to have any of that. I just, sure. about the paranormal. It, we may look and at- you started this? Yeah, we like, yeah, me, my wife Cheyenne, and, and a few of the guys I worked with from the pen who I knew beforehand. And they uh, all had an interest in the subject? Is that how it came about? Or that, Yes, that's kind of pretty much it. I was like, you know what? I want to do this. Mm-hmm. I want to do a little bit bigger than what we do because we might check out some small graveyards and set up a few things. And I said, but I want it to where, you know, we go in some bigger areas when you back up. It just, it, I went into the mentality of almost like, okay, we, we don't go into. Extract, extract somebody from a cell with just one guy. You're going to have one guy on this, one guy on that, one guy on this. Right. There's somebody recording it. Right. You have to have a, a, a scientific method to it. And, you know, going, you know, I did go to college for criminal justice and, and all that. So I learned a lot about, you know, gritting out an area and all this stuff and preserving a scene. Right. Just, oh, that goes into it. I mean, on that aspect of it, there is very sound, stringent um, guidelines. But again, you, like you said, we can't prove any of this shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's it. Well, I like I love your attitude going into it, but like you said, uh, and we're going to talk about it in a little bit here. 
some of the things. How long, uh, how long did you do that and how long have you been, uh, dealing with this team of yours and going out there and investigating stuff? I would say, I believe, um, actually putting like a name on what we did. I mean, we did that for a while and you want to, you got to fill, fill each other out and all that. I think it was about 2005, 2006 before we actually put a name on it. Um, we don't, we're not able to go as much at the moment because half the people's got kids. Sure. There's, you know, obviously we have special needs kids. We know we have, our youngest little boy has CP and is in a wheelchair. So we just can't just leave him. Nor would we. We're just, oh, no, of course. And, um, so, and times, also, uh, well, tell me how it works. Uh, you know, you, you left that industry, the corrections. Uh, now you're doing something, uh, totally different, which is, I think, uh, it sounds like a lot more fun too, uh, and rewarding. But then you have this other side of you where you and this group of folks, uh, do you just stick to the Kentucky regions or uh, the the area surrounding, or do you guys travel uh, far and wide? Well, um, yes and no and none of the above. How's that for a vague answer? Um, me personally, <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, I was explain. We don't have we don't have any like set in stone. We can describe. Right. Yeah, we we don't have a big charter. Other than, you know, uh, when we initially started it, um, our thing was like um, a belief in God, God, small g, whatever you worship, whoever you worship, but okay. paranormal. Uh, it wasn't because a lot of people, well, how do you believe in God? I said, well, what God are you talking about? Uh, so was it you know. was more of a, hey, I believe this, uh, there's stuff going out there, uh, going on out there that I would like to know more about. So therefore, right. I found some people with a common interest. I mean, this is how some of the best rock bands in our history got together, right? <laughs> um, uh, you know, like no, uh, that's how Backstreet Boys got started. Yep, that's how started. It, no, they, they were put together. But well, what about you know, like Van Halen or something, where they're just kind of sitting around, and next thing you know, they're Van Halen. But well, Van, Van Halen owes a lot. Uh, well, at least David Lee Roth owes a lot to uh, to Jim Dandy from uh, Black Oak, Arkansas. If, if you know anything about early Southern rock, also. Uh, Jello Biafra from the Dead Kennedys. I don't know if you followed any punk music. Uh, he always had this big starfish looking belt buckle and uh, he got that because he was a big fan of, uh, Black Oak Arkansas. I'm still a huge fan of Black Oak Arkansas. Not that it matters, but <laughs> it's a southern, it's, that's sort of my Joe Dirt, you know, uh, guilty pleasure thing. But yeah, um, well, I, I'm trying to stick to, I'm trying, what I'm trying to kind of get a little more information about is right. how a paranormal group gets together. And as you just kind of pointed out, it's really just people with a common interest saying, hey, we enjoy this. We enjoy taking the time, just like sky watchers, you know, go out there. They might not see anything, but they enjoyed the evening. They had a sandwich. Maybe they went with a friend. They got to hang out on a roof. Uh, they got to see a lot of cool stars. Maybe they didn't see anything. Maybe they saw something and they didn't, you know, it really wasn't all that interesting. I mean, I've been out sitting there looking at the sky and, the back of China Lake Missile Range with friends back in the 90s, and we didn't see anything, but it sure was fun, man. It sure no, it was, was fun. not either way, right? So, it's no, about I'm, the sandwich. What was right. of? <laughs> right, well, no, well, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you this, and I'll, and I'll hit the two, 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 two or three of the, if I'll quit stuttering, two or three <laughs> of the points you hit. You know, it's funny. Um, I When I was a little bitty kid, I loved the movie and, and the book It because it had the character who was a writer who stuttered really badly. And he had to do the, you know, thrust his fist against the post and still insist he sees the ghost. And I had, as you could probably tell, a, a very bad speech impediment growing up. And I connected to that, like gravitated to that really strongly because a kid was vulnerable. 
and and it seems like that has sort of been a a theme that's run through me coming up because even when I started the thing, it's like I'm going to do this. If you want to come, we'll try see what it is. You know, I was always the kid that would help you build your clubhouse, but I didn't want to be a part of it. Uh, I I mean, I was like, what was the thing Groucho Marx said? Any club, I wouldn't want to be a part of any club they want me type of thing. Um, Uh It was kind of like that. But as you're saying, as is it mainly in Kentucky? Uh, We've been in different areas. We've been here, you know, in in Western Kentucky. We've been around down uh, in Donaldson, Tennessee area, um, different places like that. Um, We generally stick mainly to these states. I mean, I have checked out some stuff in Texas when I've been down there on my own. Uh Uh-huh. When we got our oldest son in Thailand, which Thailand has a huge uh, ancestral worship and ghost culture. Wow. I was able to check that out while we were there. We were actually there during during an upheaval between the prime minister. And they got a new prime minister, and they said, no, we don't like him. So they started blowing up an embassy. They actually uh, bombed the English embassy, which was one block from where we were at. We went down there to get him, and we were supposed to be down there a week, and I ended up being there over a month. And we were on lockdown, no wow. air, no water, no nothing. But what, what you know, what wow. afforded me though was I could go see all this. I could really see because we were in Bangkok, we uh, we could tr- see all the kind of subculture of the subculture, you know, the the three or four levels under the subculture. Wow. So we got to investigate and check out places and go around temples, and I got to. Oh, well, let me ask you a quick question there because that is really interesting. I've never talked to somebody that's been able to do that, uh, and I was always wondering. If the folks in other countries, when they did EVP work, uh, tests and such, if the EVPs were in that language. Right. Well, you know, the sort of things that I saw, it, it seemed like that, but it seemed, it, it wasn't like, hey, how you doing? But it was right. almost like a, almost like a smattering of the Thai language with some other like local, it's just like there's English, there's Southern English, there's, you know, you go up to the wharfs in, in Baltimore and talk to a guy in the South, they're not going to know what the hell he's talking about half the time. Well, sure, but, you know. but for instance, you know, a, a friend of mine, a buddy of mine, Anthony Sanchez, uh, is, a, is a pretty famous cat in the genre that you, you dwell in uh, for his ghost box um, application. It's a computer right. application, okay? And I guess it's been making some waves within the community in the past few years It's a, a as a tool. Mm-hmm. And when I learned about what this thing does, because he called me up and said, hey, this check this out. Look what I built, and I'm selling it, and it really works. And I was like, wow, that's really nifty. Uh, if you don't know how the ghost box works, folks, then go Google it. But the point I'm making is, is that I immediately thought to myself, when they're picking up these words, at, when they're asking questions, if they were in Thailand, like you were, would they be getting? Uh, I imagine they would, because it scans radio. Right, and so, and, that's, and that's where you would almost have to have someone uh, local that can kind of go. Well, that means this and that. Right, but then, but you got to understand, there are certain words that we say here that's going to have a totally different meaning there. Even sign, uh, the, the, uh, my, my son who we had gotten there was deaf and he used sign. So it's like, okay, we studied up on American sign or what uh-huh. we thought was standard sign. It's totally different. And so we had to learn Thai sign on top of it. So every, when, when you got into this with, and you got these group, uh, was it about four or six people? How many people were talking about in your, in your group here? Okay. I'll, I'll kind of run down the, the starter team or the, 
I don't know if you guys are comic book readers, but I had, you know, jokingly called it like there's the gold team and the blue team, like on the, the X-Men. I was a big comic nerd. Okay. So, so obviously I got the lady. Call me Logan, but, Weapon X. <laughs> yeah, I want to see the new Logan film. Um, Hell yeah. But, so there was me and my wife, and uh, she was kind of like, eh, okay, that's interesting, whatever. She wasn't like hardcore yeah. belief or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, had her niece, who had actually had just graduated with the, uh, psychology, and she was kind of a eh, kind of a naysayer, like she doesn't really believe it, which is great. You need a pretty staunch skeptic in the group. Uh, yeah. There was her boyfriend, which is now her husband, who was like an engineer with like Ford Motors here. And then I had another friend of mine, uh, a guy named Lucas Freilich, who's still a part of it. And um, he was also a correctional officer, but he was also a big-time country boy, so he knew trails. He knew markings. He would know what would be coming through an area, and he had a hell of an eye. And he didn't get scared easy, which I like. So um, that all just fell together, and it was very organic, and, and it worked out really well. But my thing was we try to stay away from – go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, so you got this group of folks, and they all have their own talents that they bring to the table, which is always important. Right. Um, and you're so, you were the leader quasi. Like you said, there's no rule book. But you were sort of the person that put this together, correct? I was the guy who struck the match. And, and, <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. So you put it together and got, got yeah. it going here. But – at the same time, so you're becoming somewhat of a student of the field uh, and the accoutrements that go along with it, i.e. the equipment and that sort of thing. Were you already involved in researching what you need when you show up to a location like a, a graveyard, or were you guys just like, let's just go out there and just like hang out? I mean, what were you thinking when you sort of got this group together? All right. By the time that I had gotten anybody in any sort of semblance of a, of a cell, of a group, I had, you know, I had come up, as I'd said, I I'd spent a lot of time as, as a latchkey kid. I was the youngest of seven. I spent tons of time at the local library. So I would be running over stuff like old Hans Holzer's books, and, and which, I mean, people have got a love-hate relationship with Hans Holzer, but he's the one that got me into ghosts, interested in the paranormal on ESP and all that. So I would read his books and all that stuff, and then I'd, you know, buy via that, look into other books and other writers that are similar, you know, and learn kind of, you know, even early back in the days before I was ever in corrections, you know, and talking to my father, who, you know, was, you know, went from that to chief of police and did all this stuff for years and years. He was a lifetime cop. And um, so I learned a lot about that, too. So I learned how to, you know, like you, like you said, set up an area and, and cordon off an area and, you know, grid searches and all this. Um, but as of uh, when we first went out, we kept it really, it was really simple. It was... Uh, and I still try to keep it simple. I actually said, okay, look, we'll take about, you know, enough recorders for two or three different locations in an area. We'll take two or three, you know, digital thermometers, you know, that you can shoot into an area and take a, take a reading. Um, a couple digital cameras, maybe one handheld, and something that might kind of make you cock, cock your head sideways, uh, rods. Like they would call them witching rods or ghost rods or whatever. And um, it was good for finding electrical, like if we were in somewhere and we would find electrical boxes, sometimes junction boxes that we didn't know were there, uh, and come to find out maybe they hadn't had the power off. And because there was power going through the lines, it seemed to attract them. It didn't do it every single time. Um, so, you know, sure. you have to, you, anyone who says, oh, this is 100 
guaranteed every time. That's a lie. Um, so like, and again, we were learning, learning the gear, but we went out there and said, look, we have a basic idea. Um, and especially the first thing you can't, you can't go, okay, I know you very well. You know me very well. I know how you're going to react very well. I know, you know, it's more, it was a fumble through, but. We, we, well, it sounds like, uh, you know, just judging from not only the films and documentaries, but there's two directions it seems to have morphed in. We can talk about that a little more later, but sure. it seems as though the taunting of spirits has become quite popular in the past year. Yeah, I'm not uh, a fan. I hate that. Strange tactic, right? Well, uh, think about... Very, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, I'm just saying, uh, okay, say it's some little little old lady who, you know choked on a peach pit or some little girl who, you know, died of cholera in the 1800s. Maybe you can play that. But depending on your beliefs of negative spirits, be you call them demons or whatever, um, don't play with that. Uh, I'm, and even if I could, I wouldn't because that's maybe it's maybe I'm a southerner. Maybe it's what it is. Maybe I'm too polite on it. But it's just a thing of going, look, if that was my mom or my sister or my, my son, my you know, because we'd lost her our oldest son, uh, to a really bad seizure about two years ago. Wow. I'm I wouldn't sorry. want anybody, well, thank you. Uh, it's, um, I wouldn't want anybody playing with him like that. So we always try to, oh, go that's a great control. point. There's a certain amount of disrespect involved with that tactic. Yeah. That's a really good, solid point. Well, there's a zoo mentality and it's sort of like, uh, people talk about, you know, going to excavating Native American sites and things. And, and I know there's a certain element of science, of scientific knowledge to discover from that but it's also like can i go dig up your grandma and look at her you know um so you have to go just because i can should i and we try to go about it in a way i don't how do i word this i don't want to sound high-minded because we're just a just a bunch of goofy hillbilly kids but um try to go with it with a certain certain um moral stance to it to a point uh, a respectability, a respect of the area, respect of the whatever they are, spirits or energies, and uh, a respect in general respect is something general. that is a, a common theme for people who are, are purists. Well, you don't want to. Well, I mean, I would never go into someone's house, and I've, I hate seeing this. And it, and I watch. I can't watch a lot of shows because, pardon I get pissed off. Because I'm like, look, okay, they know they that house has got kids in it. The kids already wigged out about it. First of all, don't talk about it in front of the kids. What what the hell's wrong with you? Secondly, don't stir up something if you don't know you can get rid. Oh, don't first of all, don't stir it up. If it's something that can that coexists, that maybe they're more curious about and they're okay with it, leave it leave it alone. Um, I have been asked before in places um, to bless a house. Uh, I don't do it very often. I take it kind of serious, but it's a thing too. Um, like you, you guys had mentioned something before about people getting paid. I, uh, I believe you guys had had uh, you were talking to Butch about that, talking about uh, a while back, and uh, you were talking about people, you know, like coming right out of the gate with prices for this and that. And, and I'm, I think that's sort of grotesque a little bit. Uh, we've never really charged for anything like that. Um, again, if somebody wants us to go up to Lexington and if they, they offer to pay a little bit of gas, begrudgingly, I would take that. But, um, and obviously I'm in the business of selling books, but that's not, that's a totally different animal. 
that's of just course, a, of course, yeah. and we're gonna, and I want to get to your book at some point, but I'm still really fascinated, uh, and we get real granular here on the show sometimes because I think that's the part that gets overlooked to a lot of folks sometimes, which is. Uh, number one, they can get involved if they want to, if they have the interest level, but there is a learning curve big time. And when I started to hear from uh, Tony Sanchez about some of the accoutrements, the equipment, I was blown away on the cost of some of these gadgets and the oh. gadgetry. Yeah. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about, and then I'm going to ask you some really good questions about scary stuff. But why don't you tell us a little bit about, uh, you talked about these rods and you talked about kind of starting out. Tell us about your, your, your gadgetry because we love gadgets on the show. You know, uh, honestly, uh, we've kept it real simple. I mean, we got to the point where the, the desire to go out and it's almost, was almost an addictive thing. I mean, if you have any sort of addictive personality, uh, be it drink or this or that or women or whatever, hot rides, if you're not careful, you'll go nose first, and that's how I went with with the ghost hunting or, or, or your investigations. You know, I'm like, I want to have, you know, this type of equipment. I want to make sure everyone has X amount of this. I want to make sure everybody is reporting in at X amount of time, and that's all fine and good. But when you have ten or twelve different people, you in, you go from the point of being okay, I'm going to be out in the team to you're back there running a command center, hoping that that they're able to see maybe what you might catch with without the years of without the years of training and the years in the field as you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a time when I pulled all that back. You know. Okay, but what are some of the uh is there's if people are listening, not to sound cheesy, but is there somewhat of a toolkit? Uh when I was a little kid I got this private investigators toolkit which my parents took away from me because I spilled all the uh the fingerprint powder all over the carpet. Ah, yeah, it's yeah, in trouble, and they took it away, and there went my PI career. But do they have stuff like that? Do they offer that? Can you purchase something like that if you're rich and you just want to get all the accoutrements? Oh, I mean, you can go, man. Yeah, you could go into debt, you know, put put your house uh, for second mortgage if you wanted to. Because, like you said, <laughs> you get you know, like flare cameras and all that, and. And, and various stuff. You can get mats that you can roll through an area that's pressure sensitive. Like I thought about doing that before, taking like you know, like those little drum pads, like electronic drum pads, and taking the sensors and laying them out in a grid. I mean, I probably shouldn't say it's an error. It's probably going to be a million dollar idea, and lay it out. Yeah, that's a cool idea, actually. I like that idea. Well, like okay, say the first two feet are you know toms, doom doom, like yeah. This, the middle part, you know, is like maybe a uh, marumba, and then like you hit a crash symbol when it's all the way into the room. Okay, and so you know, okay, well, something walked about three feet into that thing. We should be able to get, have had a video of that, things like that. Um, but for the most part, like I said, I, I kept it to voice recorders. Uh, we started out with, with my, you know, little mini cassettes, moved up to uh, sure. digital. Um, uh-huh. We were using like you know, mini like Sony thin cam, you know, the little small mini discs, which I, I never really liked them. They seem like they, if you bump them, sneeze at them wrong. They don't want to play, um, which, you know, I mean, it, if you're a little bit more reaching, you go, well, somebody, something affected it. I was like, yeah, it's a crappy recorder. Let's not use it again. That's where I would go with it. But so, right. we kept, like I said, digital recorders, we would keep it with the handheld uh, temperature things. I even beyond uh, using the force recorders, using that, using like a handheld, like a um, Sony mini, mini uh, um, 
cassette type recorder. I liked those a lot better. And uh, but then after that, I was introducing things like motion sensors, stuff like that. I never did the thing with the uh, what was the video game that would, it shines like a grid on a wall. I think it was like one of the Tron. Tron. Right, where it has like the little dots and like you know like that. Uh, well, kind of like the laser equipment I've seen has been quite interesting with the grid uh, oh. that you're bringing up, lights and such. Correct. Right. I mean, you know what? And you know, uh, a real quick way of doing that, and you know, because I'm I'm sort of like the the poor the, the poor ghost hunter, uh, because like I said, it's like how can I get over and do what I want to do without bankrupting my family? You know, I would get motion sensors from. You know, uh, children's spy gear. I would get, uh, if I wanted to do that grid thing, I would get one of those Christmas lights that you can put and it shines up on the wall. You know, as long as you got it set where it's a, so- a solid, constant image, something moves across it, it's going to show it. Just like, you know, you're going out and getting a $300 Xbox system or something. Well, what's the most important piece of gear if I wanted to start a team? Of, and like I said, I had a group of uh, four friends that wanted to start doing stuff like this. And we wanted to go out to a, a place that we thought was creepy because we had been there before. And um, we wanted to go check it out, but we wanted to do it a little bit more serious and see if we could mm-hmm. contact anybody. I mean, I, should I bring a Ouija board to the place? What should I do? Well, I mean, I can give you, like, the highbrow answer that I would like if somebody come to me and says, what's the most important tool? Integrity. Again, oh, great. Okay, thank you. Let me go buy some integrity. But, um, you know, just <laughs> make sure don't let your imagination get too far ahead of you. And, um, you know, it's like an Arkham's Razor thing, you know, uh, you have to kind of really be mindful of what you're dealing with and not let yourself trick yourself. Well, what's the, what's the piece of gear that it's worked the best for you where you got something that you thought was either, I don't want to say undeniable because I don't know if anybody gets that, but something that really took you aback, uh, during your investigations because you've done a ton of these, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, I've done done quite a few uh i mean honest to god um for me my own self and this is not going to help you or help any other team but whenever i went into started doing this we didn't have a lot of the infrared lights which we have now you know so you can like see what you're looking on the camera a lot of it was made with a very weak uh flashlight handheld flashlight or maybe someone behind me i'll be holding a voice recorder and you know how like it is like you walk into a dark room and this is going to sound a little new agey, so just bear with me. You walk into a room, and you're almost like you're kind of like you're feeling for where, where the wall should be. You kind of have your hand out slightly in front of you. Okay. And, and I'm not talking some Benny Hinn smack somebody on the head stuff. I'm talking about whenever I would get in an area, and I would feel almost like a pressure change or a temperature variance. Mm-hmm. That's where I would go, hey, guys, take a few shots over here if you don't mind. And I'd ask, is, that, is this someone here that wants to talk? And if it changes... You know, the, the temperature movement changes or it fades. Maybe I'll follow to where I can feel it again and try it again. But that's just my own little personal barometer, I guess, internal barometer. And I think everyone has that. Um, but I don't know. I mean, God, you man. get an answer or when you, like, you, know, you ask? That's a hell of a hard question to, to answer. <laughs> Other than, I mean, uh, get you a, a good a good digital camera. Okay. Uh, get you, you know... Go ahead and put the, you know, if you need it. If what about a psychic? Do I need to go get a psychic? Oh, okay. Well, okay, now I thought you were talking about hardware. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. There's absolutely, there's absolutely nothing wrong with having a psychic. That's buffoonware. Hey, hold on there, Mr. Naysayer. Oh, Rich is a psychic. Hey, Rich, you're done. Uh, he's for, you can rent Rich. 
Yeah. No, I'm saying you don't want to get somebody that's like, you know, whatever. You know, you've got a wood knock. You know, there's spirits here. They're trying to communicate with me, like that. You don't need that. You know, it's like okay. Don't well, avoid psychics. Well, but seriously, I mean, we are freaking inundated at this point with with ghost garbage, and right. well, uh, and and that must be frustrating true. for people yep. who are trying to do it on the up and up. Very similar to what I was talking about in my intro tonight with the SSP. Right. Well, I mean, you you'd made mention of uh, like purist researchers. I, <laughs> you gotta understand, man. Um, I, I'm still like the goofy little kid that would play down in the creek getting crawdads. I mean, I'm 47, but I never lost that. So I try to, I really don't have like a huge ego or anything. So it's hard for me to kind of, I can never get into that zone where I'm just like, well, yes, I'm this deep intellectual, this and that, and I, and I have all the answers because then, like you said, then you're, then it's playtime. Then it's. Well, sure, but who's like a hero of yours in, in this community that's doing it correctly? I always ask people, who's doing it right? You know, I mean, I've seen a whole lot of different, especially like in shows and things like that. Anybody on the shows uh, legitimate to you? Are they worth a dime, any of these shows? Should I watch one in particular? Okay, I'll tell you one that that I saw. It surprised me. Okay. Uh, it was uh, it was some of the original folks that was on the, like, the old Ghost Hunters team. Uh, Amy Broomy and, um, oh, I'm blanking on the guy's name. Uh, there's a show called Kindred Spirits. And um, I do... Uh, well, is it okay if I mention another show that I'm involved with? Of course. Okay. Um, have been doing uh, After Hours AM uh, on Wednesdays, co-hosting with that, and uh, we should be getting back with that in March. Plug, plug. But um, okay. I had got to see like an early uh, viewing of her show or of their show, and they went in there very much like we did. You know, it's like, look, you know, this is not here to sensationalize. We're trying to de-escalate a problem, give you peace of mind, and gather some evidence along the way. We're not here, you know, like, oh, my God, what is that? And cut the commercial. I like, that. I like all those premises right there. That's good. Right. It, that's, that's earthy, true, good-spirited, pure, um, pure of heart, give a damn, you know? Um, is that most of the situations that you get uh, uh, called upon is that people are in distress because of circumstances that are going on that are paranormal and uh, well, yeah, I mean, we, we, we've had that. I mean, you, you understand is sometimes we'll have, you know, hey, we're having rattling in the walls or we're having, sound like someone's kicking under a bed. And, you know, and of course, some, you know, you may be able to troubleshoot that. Hey, will you, you know, turn the deep, you know, thermostat on or turn on the water for the tub and pop, 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 the pipes are bouncing. A lot of that you can, you know, cast off. And I'm so glad, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a thing of going, hey, another ghost notch on my belt. But there's sometimes like there's a place we're getting ready to investigate. It's here in in Princeton, and it's one of the er earlier houses close to where the where the country club is now. And it was where a lot of the judges would come back in the old days, back during the time of prohibition. And they would have like a little gambling house under it, and they would have the little dancer poles and all that stuff down there. It was basically like a gambling, like a was it like poker in the front and liquor in the rear type of thing, or how, how's it go? Looking her I don't know. You got me. You, you had me a latch key, but yeah, I lost it. You had me a liquor in rear. You're going to rear. Okay, well, I guess it depends on your preference, though. But anyway. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. But no, so we're, you know, and they're saying they've had continue, continuations of issues, and it's got to the point where it's escalating. And to where it's point like, well, it was sort of interesting, but now we're scared. And that's what happens about, 
I've had a lot of houses I've went to with Ouija's, uh, done with Ouija boards. And let me say, uh, you know, I know Tim Sean, I know he's very much about, you know, more in the metaphysics, and he says you can use them as a useful tool, and that's cool. I'm not the one. I'm not that guy. I feel you, man. I don't yeah, stop messing with Ouija boards. Talk, oh, let's man. talk about Ouija. Let's just get it out there. Yeah, let's let's talk it. about it for a second. Now, my quick introduction to Ouija is that I was a college kid in New Jersey. I went to a lecture. These two old people were there screaming about Ouija boards, how you needed to burn them, and it was not a laughing matter. They happened to be the Warrens, who, Uh as you all know, have created these uh, the personalities behind some of these fantastic films in the past few years, The Conjuring. I Uh, I loved the films. In fact, I just saw the sequel last week, and I loved it. So, but at the time, these people were hilarious to us. So I've had people say that Ouija boards are the worst things in the world. So what's your take on them? I think it is, a, I, I know the only thing I can guarantee you uh, would get from that is probably a paper cut or a bad stomach ate if you ate it. Um, it's a piece of board. It's I think it's the intention that you bring to it, any more than a knife or a gun or cup of water can put out a fire or can drown somebody um i think it's the inten- i think it's more or less you're using it as a focal point i don't think the board itself probably has a lot of in- innate power um beyond i mean beyond what's in the mind of the user um but you all use so you must send something negative and about they, it and they no. sell it like for kids man they sell it with board games and stuff uh, right? see See, I can That's see. I, cool. I can see Jesse. I can see where the lawyer's son's coming out in you. Well, let me read the let me read <laughs> minutes. No, I will say this: growing up like I did, seeing a lot of the dark stuff that I did, um, dealing with a lot of dark stuff in prison, um, um, I think that would come through. I think, mm. uh, and I don't, I'm not sitting saying I'm Mister Light. Tempting. You know, yeah, man, I don't, I don't need to be like the new Hellboy or something. You know, I'm not looking to. <laughs> you are the comics, but yeah, I am really deep into comics. Uh, but um, all right, yeah, so Ouija board, no good. No, no, I'm not saying it. All. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying Ouija board, no good for me. Have you tried it? I have once. Uh, <laughs> and what happened? Uh, just kind of weird, weird stuff. A little bit stuff, weird stuff around the house for a few days. Really? Uh, yeah, I mean, it didn't happen here because my wife would kill me. Um, <laughs> I was at another location, and you know. and I just went, eh, nah, probably not. You know, we the house we had before that was at the same property. We'd actually had this house. The original house was an old Victorian, taken down because um, it had structural damage and stuff. And we had a wheelchair accessible house built. Sure, and it's great, but it had like the old narrow walkway going up to the second floor and. You know the kind of the, the widow's peak type looking structure and and all that and and we had a lot of kind of weird feelings in the hallways going up it and which they had a lot of unshielded electrical too you know it gave off a higher a higher field um, not dangerous but enough but it's one of those things where um, um, I wouldn't try to take a board into somewhere that's going to have that kind of available energy to play with. So that's kind of what I would, that's one of the things I would be worried about, you know, especially with a Ouija board. I had a bad experience with a Ouija board, and I'm not going to lie to you. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was like maybe 13, 14 years old, and it's one of those things where they still creep me up. Like if I if I'm walking around Toys R Us or somewhere, and there's uh-huh. a Ouija board in one of the aisles, I walk the other way. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. Like, I want nothing to do with these things, but I don't know why they put them in the Toys R Us. Why are they so damn creepy? I just watched the new Ouija movie. It scared the shit out of me. No, you know, you got to understand. We've got so many. I mean, we've got. Oh damn! How do I explain it? We have spiritual and um, hangover. You know, why is Friday the Thirteenth so crazy? It's connected to a Templar assassination, right? You no, know, Jesus Christ. I mean, but we have that sort of. I don't know if it's a genetic, a genetic memory or what, but um, I don't know, man. I mean, it's there's certain things. Just seems so tempting, Steve. If you have a Ouija board, if you're a ghost hunter, and I'm just calling you that, it's easier to uh, to, to say uh, some of the other terms. But if if I was a ghost hunter and I knew that the Ouija board, in essence, was some sort of lightning rod, okay, okay. I'd be very tempted. To stick right. that thing into places that I knew were full of spirits that were active, you know what yeah, I mean? Well, I mean, I mean, have you seen Rose Red? I mean, if it's something that is seriously juiced, mm-hmm. you don't want to play with it. Maybe you don't want to poke that bear. But um, I mean, I mean, I I know from that research research aspect too. But it's a thing that um, it would be hard to keep it pure because you have so many preconceived notions about it. But you gotta understand again, but being a southern if you want to say ghost hunter, um, we can we can have you know a bowl of still water. We can have a a black mirror. We can have a group of candles in a circle. We can have there's a lot of that old Ozark witchcraft type vibe enough in this area. We don't need a Ouija board. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, now that you've progressed, yeah. do you, are you bringing psychics with you? Um. I'm not again. I'm not above it. Uh, I've had I've had some people that claim to be sensitive. Okay. And I've had some people that um, I think that they were. I wouldn't say like their touch knows. You can touch something and, and know what's up. But I think that they had an aspect of that. The, the all right. I'll tell you this. If I took someone who was psychic, they wouldn't know okay. they're psychic. I would have someone who I can sort of see that innate quality, uh, especially if they're, you know, like, very intuitive and this, this, and that, and, you know, it's that type of thing. Some, you know, like, you ever come into a room, there's been an argument or something, it's like, mm, what, you know, you just showed up, the room feels weird, what's up, what happened? That type of person. I like to have those guys because it's pure. You know, sometimes you got the guys with, you know, and they got all the accoutrements and, and the trappings of the psychic gig, and I'm doing air quotes here, um, Sure. Sometimes you get a lot of that kind of hokey diva quality too, and I think it nullifies what, even if it's pure science or pure research that they bring, it kind of downplays it, and it's sort of, uh, I don't want to say, um, I'm trying to find the right word for it, um, negates the positives because it's like, well, of course that one saw this and that, that's that's their gig, you know. So uh, generally, anybody that's like has that that is their day job and they've got the website and the crystal ball picture and I I'm not judging them I'm simply saying I have not had the best experiences with those type of folks. Mm. Okay, you know, I mean, even if, if, if you guys, uh, you know, if you say Bloody Mary in front of a mirror three times at three a.m., 
Uh, you know, you'll be told by your mother to shut the fuck up and go back. That's to exactly what I was gonna say, Dale. Shut your damn mouth! I gotta be up at five. I'm a damn Peter Griffin for some reason. Yeah. All right, Steve. We got we're low on time, so we gotta we gotta go fast through some of these. Okay. Right. Um, okay. So we've covered your team. Uh, let's talk about your book a little bit because. To my knowledge, no one has ever written a book about the hauntings of the Kentucky State Penitentiary. How did that come? Uh, we know how it came about to a certain degree, but tell us about how you made the book happen, the kind of access that you were given. Um, I'm thinking when, uh, before I haven't read the book, but I'm already thinking, was he allowed to conduct uh, experiments or investigation work within the structures? You tell us, how did this come together? Okay, as of investigations on property, that's a no-go. No dice, no. Absolutely sure. no. And, uh, I even, I, when I was still employed there, I, uh, said, hey, I'd like to come in with a research team, go down to, they have a, a segregation unit and it's called, a uh, Three Cell House and it's for, yeah, people's acting out and cutters and this and that and whatever. Um, and we were going to go down to what they call 15, uh, 15 left. And 15 left was a floor that at one time held uh, the people waiting to go to the electric chair. That's the walk that had the electric chair, which was called Old Sparky. And um, I said, hey, I would like to go down here, set up a few uh, motion sensors, set up this and that, you know. And they said, no, no, I think it would be a conflict. Uh, just it's too much coming in there and too disruptive and blah, blah. And I was like, okay, man. I said, I can do that with Two of the guys I work with come in on a regular day, have our uniform on, walk down like we're going to do some cell searches and set it up. They would be none the wiser. Anyway, that wouldn't happen. But um, as of regards of access to the prison, that's sort of been a love-hate thing. Uh, most of the stories I've gotten has been from from staff. So from, anecdotal stuff, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's things. It's it's stories from, you know. Experiences. Right, experiencers and yeah, first-hand testimony, right? Right, you know, and a few of them are mine included, and I haven't had a lot of them. Uh, like I said, I don't tend to. I mean, and maybe you're just chewed up with ghosts. Maybe you got what Beetlejuice say? I got demons running all through me, but that's not me. I've seen my fair share of stuff, and and I'm glad I don't see it every day because it's scared the hell out of me. But I would have you know x amount of people talk about an area and talk about the same sort of experience. I might have two hundred people that I interviewed and get 20 really solid stories where it's reoccurring type situations. Sure. Um, but, but yeah, that's how, uh, that's kind of how. Can that, you, can you give us a, uh, a little sneak peek as far as if someone was interested in the book? Uh, usually folks that like these sort of books like myself want to be scared. I mean, I'll be, just be honest with you. It's a, it's a thrill ride, right? I, I often tell people that horror movies for me, are my version of a roller coaster because I can't go on roller coasters because I'll throw up. Right. So well, you want to live vicariously through it. Well, I mean, I'll answer your one question real quick. You said how how did the book get written? Actually, the book kind of writ, uh, wrote itself. Um, I had talked to uh, a, a writer friend at the time who I had actually heard him on a show because understand I was like fanboy for all this. Okay, this was this was my thing. I grew up with Art Bell and this is that hearing all that. Sure. So anyway, I would hear some shows and talk to somebody. Hey, that was a really cool slant you took on that. Maybe I never heard anything about a Mothman prophecy quite like that. I'd never heard details like that. Hey, I think that was a cool interview. Thanks. Well, similar thing like that happened to uh, to a, a writer, and we started talking about. It. I saw you were in a prison, blah blah blah, and so I told him a few of the little weird stories, and he said, 
have you ever wrote this down? I said, well, I mean, from my own recollections, you know, my golden years, so I remember what happened. And it kind of went from that. Do you mind if I read a page or two of it? And looked at it and said, that's not bad. He said, I, do you have no, I thought you were going to read us a page right now. I'm like, yeah, go for it. Oh, <laughs> I was, he asked, he said, you know, can I, can I look at it? He said, this isn't bad. Do you mind sending it to my, can I show my editor? And I'm like, uh, I'm sure if he needs a good laugh, go for it. I'm not a writer. He says, well, just humor me. Okay. Well, a week or so later, he says, hey, uh, you think you can give me like at least 65,000 words? I said, uh, about what? I mean, I've done forgot about it because it's not that's not on my plate. Uh, he says, well, for a book, I said, again, I'm not a writer, man. And he said, not yet. He said, but it's going to happen. I said, I uh, don't know what the angle is because I'm trying to think of for just, you know, X amount of money. I'll do that. I was trying to see what the hook was. Well, anyway, long story short, I wrote the rest of the stuff. I gathered some more stories and lo and behold, for me to press, want to pick it up. So I was like, OK, cool. So I'm waiting every day for them to go. Nah, we're gonna we're gonna have to shelf it because blah 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 or something. But and then it come out and then they actually held it in my hands. It was really weird. And then the first time you do a book sign is really weird. The first time you do an interview. So anyway, I'm still not quite there. Uh, I I know I'm a writer in the sense of I have a published work and I'm getting ready to put out another one through them. But it's like I said, you know, I ain't no George Clooney. You know, I'm not. No, I'm no Stephen King. I'm no. You know, yeah, I'm, understood. But what's the the the, the uh the scariest part in your book, okay, uh, give us a teaser for people who might want to purchase it. Uh, cool. What kind of things are they in store for on a cold, rainy night in Portland, Oregon, when they're sitting here in the bunker and they want to pick up your book? What are they in store for? Well, I mean, you can expect, you know, situations, you know, disembodied spirits, uh, things being thrown around, uh, partially formed officers lacking faces, uh, men being hung in the yard, uh, spectral spirits like that. Uh, you can expect, um, you know, people shooting like shadow shooting up and down walks into showers where there's been murders and rapes. Uh, you're going to have, um, good Lord, all kinds of stuff like that. I'm, uh, I'm kind of thumbing through it because I'm, what it is. Well, that's a lot. Well, no, we're not, we're not done yet. So it's going to have, uh, you're going to have a uh, gurneys come shooting up and down the walks, uh, where somebody stops it after X amount of times because they think somebody's playing with them. And when they grab it, you hear a sigh and the seat raises up like there was someone sitting in the seat. Not good by yourself down in, in the middle of the night in an old gymnasium in the prison. I don't think so. Uh, so there's all, all kinds of stuff like that. You know, there's, there's, there's different rooms where you do a count. You walk through and you have to do nightly counts or daily counts. You walk through and you have one over and you don't know what's going on. So you go back through and seems like, you know, your number works out. Okay. It's straight. When you go through it again, you get the same mixed up number. All right, well, come to find out you're getting a room that is no longer an inmate room. It's now a furnace room that they, over back in the 20s or whatever, got rid of a, a cell. And it was where one of the old inmates had lived and ended up dying in there. He was so tore up from having to get his cell moved, he ended up having a heart attack in the cells. Things like that. Um, just weird, quirky, good old-fashioned creeper ghost stories. And, you know, there's ones about, you know, People, we, they had trustees. There's one trustee called Old Red who worked in the uh, old infirmary. And there's been like different buildings all in that yard because it's you now 150 years old. And so this guy pulled out all these people. There was a fire. Well, he got smoke inhalation and died. Now, currently, I've heard it. I've had several people bring the same story to me. You will hear someone clearing their throat. And walking through the hall and sort of a clip clop. You remember the old like type boots that had the wooden heels? Mm -hmm. 
okay, it has that sort of clop, tap, clop, tap as you walk. You would hear that. You would see and hear the latch uh, locks, like, you know, for like a food tray lock. Rise up real slowly, pop, slap down like somebody's checking it, pop over and over, and they would go down the hall, each one popping like that. Um, you know, and all that stuff. Cold chills, things grabbing you, things grabbing Yeah, it sounds like a really uh, creepy place. And then you add this dimension to it, and I'm like, wow, yeah, that does sound like a creepy book. Well, and, and that's, you know what's so insane? What's so insane is that I started doing, re- uh, not readings. I started doing, I mean, I have done some readings at, at like book signings, just, you know, for, for people uh-huh. who are interested, but I would do, uh, I would do signings and I would have some come up and go, Oh, my granddad worked there. Why didn't you include the thing about receiver's basement or, Oh, hey, uh-huh. we're talking about that one guy was executed and made this promise to come back or whatever. And then people were seeing them. And I was just like, Well, I didn't know much about that story, but would you tell me about it? And so what's happened yeah. after the fact, I've got enough now after. X amount of you know months to have enough to write a follow up to that. So um, even after Hauntings in Kentucky State Penitentiary, uh, I was working on a, a second book, which is the Hauntings of the Western Lunatic Asylum, which is about Western Kentucky's like it was a TV. It's, uh, it is basically Western Kentucky's Waverly, and it's oh, pre- yeah. it's creepy as hell, and it's active. You don't understand like big cities. People go, well, we're gonna mothball this. Not in the, not in Western Kentucky, not deep south, man. We'll, we'll, you know, use it to the damn walls fall in. That's, that's, you know, we, right. we're using buildings, man. We're not going to give up buildings easy. Um, stuff like that. So, and then that's wrote, it's in the can to them. I'm signing papers for the contract and now I'm starting on the follow up to this one. So, oh, man. So, so you're I'm, busy bee. Man, I'm trying, but you know, what was so funny is that some of the people, there's a handful of people that still work there, but, Predominantly, the people I got stories from were ex-officers, supervisors, uh, and or their families who was like, you know, I would never tell this story when my husband was alive or my whatever, you know, but it haunted him. Even after he may have been out of there 10, 15, 20 years. I know sure. from, I know from my own experiences. Uh, well, and that kind of gets me to my last question because we're low on time. Uh, Angel, do I have time to ask another question? If we run over ask- a couple minutes. Ask away. Yeah, go run over a little bit. Go ahead. A little bit. A little bit. Okay. Because we had some technical difficulties. In the yeah, okay. Here's the time we're the off. Question, so we right. My last question tonight is a good one, and hopefully uh, it doesn't take you. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm not blindsiding you, but I always ask folks in the in the ghost genre, the in that subset uh, field, uh, what's What's the story that scared the shit out of you the most? What happened to you during this incredible investigative work that you do to date is the one that when you still talk about it, you get chills. Okay. Um, We were checking out a graveyard in an area called LBL. If you know anything about dogmen and stuff, that's an area close to Edible, which is uh, that was taken over by the – Tennessee Valley Authority when they ran electricity through this area and they flooded the area. Anyway, um, there was old graveyards there and there was one uh, apparently it was full of kids and there had been a cholera outbreak that kind of back then everything traveled by water and all the cities that were close to the waterways were decimated and a lot of their infants died. And we were there doing uh, investigations. My wife is very able to connect with children spiritually or whatever they are. And we would get recordings that sound like children, this and that. Well, we were 
going along the outside of it, and I kept just having this sort of odd feeling, and it says it's just something's not right. So we're doing this and that, and we're getting some weird readings on our stuff. And um, of, I, I can't explain it any other way than this. If you've ever seen someone's head twisted and pulled slightly up, almost like someone was hung, I guess would be the best way to describe it. Just like that fast, uh, I was turning to get something, and I saw this thing. It wasn't in the graveyard, but it was just outside of the, of the hollow ground. It it was looked pretty damn solid. I actually said, like, what the blank is this? Jumped back, kind of postured, you know, like I was going to punch somebody. Cause I thought it was somebody just rolled up on the graveyard. Like, who's creeping out here in the middle of a, a national other than All us? Right. Uh, yeah. And it, it scared the, yeah, it scared the hell out of me. Um, I mean, I didn't think or nothing, but I, I, I was shaking. I mean, I'm stammering now talking about it because <laughs> it was so, it was so damn solid. And it was just like, and, and I said, man, did anyone else see that? And I said, what are you talking about? And I said, that, whatever the hell that was out here. And because the color was funny, it had that kind of pallid yellow look and no one else seen it. And I, I know I saw it as well as anything. I had nothing on my mind in that vein. I was thinking about little kids. So I don't know if that was something connected to those children. I don't know what, but that's, yeah, that scared the hell out of me. That and I had, a, I had a, a large box stand thrown at me and missed my head by about a foot and a half in an investigation. And there was nobody in the building. There was no electricity. The thing wasn't even plugged up into the wall. And it, it was in a dark room. We heard it, a scooting sound like something was moving and it come up off the ground come up off the ground and sort of tilted itself and smashed, shattering in a, against the wall uh, in a house that had had a mysterious fire in it. So I don't know if it was some sort of poltergeist or what it was. Wow. But, but that was that's pretty... A, that sounds pretty creepy. Um, um, I was, well, I was going to ask you, too. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to add this. I don't know how, exactly how much time we got left, but... Not much. Plenty of time, brother. Plenty of time. Can I... Oh, plenty. Right, can I throw... <laughs> can I throw... I do finally have a little website... Thank, Go for it. Thanks to Miss yeah, Crystal. Plug away. Miss Crystal, Crystal Storm helped me out with this. Oh, we love Crystal Storm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I love Crystal Storm. She's the shiznit. But do they still say that? I don't know. It's somewhere yeah, in America, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. No, probably in Kentucky. We're probably still that's probably still current. But um, she had made a site, and it's Steve, and it's all lowercase and together, no uh, dots or nothing except for the dot com part. Steve, the letter E, Asher. Dot com, which if you want to, that shows all the different stuff that's going on with the book, um, the Twitter site, the stuff. And I'm not a real tech savvy guy, but to get out, you kind of gotta learn to be tech savvy. So sure. Um, uh, let, me, let me ask you a stupid question, a silly question. Okay. Uh, because this is serious stuff, and I imagine there must be a lot of fun jokes within uh, these investigations where you guys are enjoying yourselves as as well, of course. Right. And what you know, because you say you're a musician. I remember when I, w I was a musician a long, 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 long time ago. But, and I don't talk about it very often, but I have very fond memories, not so much of the actual concerts or the gigs, as we call it, but the, uh, the fun times eating at restaurants at late night and staying up all night because there's this charge, like this energy, adrenaline, you know, when you finish a gig or something like that where you can't go to sleep, you know. So uh, that's why musicians keep strange hours because you can't just do a gig and then go to sleep, right? right. Well, so, well they're similar. It's similar like that in, in investigations too. That's my favorite. Yeah, I mean, if you're sitting there listening to EVPs and or whatever, or looking at some weird 
you know, evidence on the camera or something, and you've troubleshooted it, and it's just like, okay, I can't quite explain it away. And maybe you have it on one voice recorder, and then it also happens on another voice recorder that's close. And you're going, ooh, it's collaborating. That's really weird. What is that? Um, you get, you, yeah, you get that charge. Um, I, I was trying to think, like. Well, like, I was going to ask you, I, I, I should have asked a more poignant question. Do you guys go to Denny's afterwards? <laughs> oh, man. I mean. Because <laughs> that's what we used to do. You no, know, man. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to sit there and break out our gear in the middle of a Denny's. But, yeah, we <laughs> just run through a White Castle or something and, and hook it up. And, White Castle, yum! Yeah, I'm down with some White Castle, man. Oh, uh, man, we don't have that talking my language. I'm sorry, bro. But I'll tell you this. Uh, <laughs> uh, you were talking about, I thought you were going to ask me about weird gig situations. Uh, went no, to a show, I don't want to hear about that. <laughs> I went to a show and... The name, what, can, I, can I mention the name of the band? It's it's, it's called oh, Rex. It's, it's of all names, Rex eighty four, which sounds very conspiratorial. Yeah, and, uh, it does. Got, it does actually. Got, yeah. Well, it's got a lot to do with aspects of that, but it's it's got an old Dead Kennedy Circle Jerks Black Flag sound to it, like early punk, kind of hardcore punk. Oh, uh, oh anyway, yeah, that's that was my that was my waters. I was I swimming. Was a metal guy, so we didn't like punk. Either. No, 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 no. Hey, man, I'm a, I'm a metal guy too. I cut uh, my teeth on Sabbath and Ozzy and, and or, or Sabbath oh. and Les Cooper and, uh, and Nazareth yes. and, and all that. And then I jumped up into like speed. Uh, I got into Metallica and then I got into Misfits through Metallica and I got into Dead Kennedys through all that. And uh, that's so all that was it's all the same to me. It's all music. But I, I when, grew up into gangster rap, but that's just me. Oh, uh, don't get them started. Yeah, you know, well, you know, Body Count I liked. Body I liked was cool. <laughs> But they weren't really <laughs> gangster rap, though. I mean, I wouldn't. Now you're going back to Latchkey Kids. He's oh, man, but I'm just, <laughs> yeah, Latchkey Kids listen to him Body Count. But, but no, um, I went to a gig, and I told the guy, and I said, yeah, this and that. Uh, yeah, we'll have our gear, this and that. PA, yeah, need, yeah, need a PA, need some mic stands. I said, he says, okay, I got the mic stands, this and this. And I said, okay, cool, man. Mic stands, mics. Um, where do I, where do I plug in? Where do, where do you, where are you running? Where's your board? What, what do you mean? Um, your P, your, your soundboard, your, your PA. Oh, I ain't got one of those. Um, well, that's gonna suck, cause that's one of the things that we said we needed to have. He's, oh, I thought you were saying you was needing the mics in the stands. And I said, no, we, we've got mics, man, and stands, but how are we gonna pull this off? So we actually had to use one of the, I had like a Marshall half stack, so I just ended up having to use that and run everything through that. Luckily I didn't blow anything up. That, that kinda sucked. Um, trying to think of another thing. Uh, almost, almost had to fight like some crackheads in Memphis when we were down there doing a punk festival. And, uh, that was kind of fun. I did get to touch the, uh, the Mississippi though. That was cool. Put my feet in the Mississippi mud. I had to do that. Huh. Yeah, I know. But did you do that while, but did you do that while beating up the crackheads? That's the question. No, no, no. This, no. you know, luckily these guys left us alone. I think they were just saying, look, because understand, if, if you know, if you guys see my picture, I'm a, you know, kind of a bald looking guy. I look like a skinhead, but I'm not. Had another guy. You no, know, hold on, hold on. <clears throat> let me uh, clarify that for a second, because I've gotten mistaken for you already a couple times. <laughs> Do what? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I had, I had the uh, the page up the other day. And it was uh, Facebook, and I was looking at one of your pictures because I was trying to contact you for the show. Right. And uh, and uh, a friend of mine passed by and was like, oh, yeah, you looked better when you didn't have the beard. And I'm like, wait a second, that's not me, dude. Like, what? Because I have oh. a beard now. Funny. Oh. Yeah, you do. Nah. Well, I mean, I'll go in between goatees and not. It's just, uh, I, yeah, I, I've been shaving my head since I was like 17. 
and it just kind of stuck. Um, never back to bald head. That's what I'm saying. No, I, I, not at all, man. I, I, I that's, that's where it. I live. Yeah. That's where I dwell. But, um, but no, um, so, but uh, for the most part, they hey. just on. Hey guys, we got to wrap it up. Word. Uh, I, I enjoyed talking with you and learning about what you do. I think it's so interesting just to be real mellow sometimes with somebody who does this and not try to add a bunch of bravado because we're not on television. We're not trying to scare you per se. We're just trying to let you in on the slice of someone's life and how they go about doing these sort of things because there are a lot of people doing this. Well, there's a thing too, and I'll say this, and again, I'm I'm a southerner, so I like to, I like to whine. But the thing is, when you come at that whole come at me bro type mentality, and that's your, the whole totality of your persona, that's pretty thin, man. And there's, you know, I'm a dad, you know, when I'm not doing this or writing books, you know, I'm having little tea parties with the kids or, or whatever, or watching animes with them and stuff like that. And they like K-pop, so I'm watching them doing all these little, you know, Asian dances or whatever you want to call it. And, um, and that's cool. And that's all just an element of it. Um, people are, people are people and, and people aren't locked into that. You know, that whole, I'm going to wear nothing but black and walk around like a vampire all day. Um, right. It doesn't define you. No, it's sort of, it's kitschy sometimes to their detriment. Well, sometimes it's hard where you, you, you know, you go to a party and they say, Hey, this is the UFO guy I told you about. Right. Hate yeah, that. yeah. I, I should that, tell man. you that I don't know if Angela told you. I did, we didn't even touch on that. Maybe on another installment or something we can talk about it if you if you sure. wish to have me back. Yeah. Um, I've, I have seen a few little eyeball things in the sky. Um, had a few little things I couldn't explain. Kind of like oh yeah, we just want to hear about that. Someone's got like a stuff. woodpecker in the background. I'm going crazy. Just really. Uh, it it might it might be the small desk fan. Uh, I'm I'm kind of a fatty, and I gotta have Might be uh, an entity. That's it. A wood, a ghost of a woodpecker. Steve, it was great having you. Where can you? Where can people buy your book? Man, uh, like I said, you know, you can go to Amazon. You can go Amazon. to uh, all the different like Nook and all those different things. You uh, can go to Amazon. That's the easiest. It's the easiest, man. And like I said, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, they're they're quick to get it to you, but if you want to go, you know, Sam's Club, all these different little places, uh, and whatever, and uh, you know, look me up on there. And then, like I said, if anybody close to this area wants to have me do a book signing or whatever, I'm I'm your man. I'm your boy. Hey, boy. Uh, give the uh, website address again that uh, you got built there by our good friend Crystal Storm. Yes, yes, the, the mega talented Crystal That's Storm. That's lovely. It is. Make, the, sure you, make sure you Google her by the way and check out her pictures. They're awesome. Right. <laughs> I, I think it's a, I think it's an inside thing, and I'm backing up off that. But, yeah, yeah, I'm back off that. But um, right now she's sitting sitting on the other side of the uh, of, of the speakers, and she's like, "Damn it, Jackal!" Again with the damn pictures on Google. Yeah, God damn mad. Jackal! She's mad at. I you. say, God damn Jackal. But uh, but hey, I, I will. Yeah, well, all right. So our website. Yeah, go ahead. Steve, yeah, go ahead. E, Steve E Asher dot com and uh-huh. Jackal. I will tell you this. I made up a mess of some chicken feet the other day. Oh my uh, god! We gotta ew. talk about something. No, no, uh, god, uh, it, it was so good. We're southerners, Jesse. You don't understand about this. I haven't eaten right. dinner yet. Come on, guys. Oh, come on. I like pig feet. I, I can't cook them. I try to cook them, and it it, it it didn't take. Hey, I live in Portland, Oregon. It's bad enough that I eat meat. 
Man, I, I'm, I'm a carnivore, bro. But don't get me wrong. Then again, I, I love veggies too. Again, I'm sort of a centralist. If you want to, if you want to eat beans all day, rock on. If you want to live on, you know, whatever. You're what? a nice guy. I, I really like talking with you. I like I, that. I'm, I'm a kinder, I'm a kinder, more gentle southerner. I mean, <laughs> up to a point, don't, don't start messing with my He's guns. Like, or easier, my kinder, gentler, paranormal guy. Yeah, I'm the Alan Alda. That's 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 the tagline I want. The Alan Alda of the paranormal. The Alan Alda. <laughs> the reference is great, as it's all from our generation. The whole latchkey thing. Uh, last time I heard somebody say latchkey, I, I can't tell you. It was great. I love it. My, yeah, my my guy that got me into this. He says, "Man, you're gonna have to bone up on your cultural thing." I said, "Look, dude, if I'm if something makes me think of Cool Hand Luke, I'm gonna talk about that. If it makes me think of Shaft, I'm gonna mention Shaft." I, I could give it. I could give a damn. Okay, I write. Yeah. That's the punky element of my writing. I write because it's something, and that isn't a, a certain ego thing. I write what I know, and what I know was being a, growing up as a '70s kid. You know, uh, '70s kid. Uh, me too. All of us. Except, you? well, Angel's a uh, Angel's a little younger than us, so. Right. Not by much. All right. All right, we're gonna cut we're it. Out of uh, yeah. <laughs> time. Steve Asher, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for uh, educating us on uh, the ways to go about possibly doing this with some of your friends. If you have that interest, you should go for it. I mean, look, you don't get a degree in this stuff. You just kind of have this uh, wanting to learn more about something that's really piqued your interest, and you went for it. So hats off to you, brother. Thank you. And, and I will say this. There is no such thing as a uh, certified anything. Um, it's, it's all... Right. It's all Stumbling through the dark, uh, figuratively and literally, and I'm and I love the fact of that. It's it's very guerrilla and anarchist, and it's it's I dig that. It's true. There is no um, uh, you can't get a degree in this subject. You can't get a degree in ufology, which is one of the problems, and we can go into that forever about yep. why it's hard to accept ufology in the collegiate structure. Uh, talk to David Jacobs about that, and he will tell you plenty. I'm sure. For everyone else listening out there all over the world, thanks for listening, by the way. This is Jesse Randolph with the Angel of Ufology, and we are so glad to be back live here Monday nights on PSN Radio Network. Where else would you want to be on a Monday night? I'm going to go eat some dinner. Now that I'm spooked, I want to get out of the bunker here. And I want to thank my guest tonight. He's a great guy. If you get a chance, pick up his book. And get creeped out when you get a chance. For everybody else, we will see you next week. Who's our guest next week, Angel? Uh, right now, it looks like it's going to be, uh, let's see. Uh, Bob Lazar. Deborah, no, Deborah Jane East. I thought you said it was Bob Lazar. No, that's the week after. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, Deborah, Deborah who? Don't worry about it. She's good. Fantastic. Can't wait to meet her. Everyone else, we'll see you next Monday. Thanks again, Steve Asher. This is Euphonaut Radio, and we'll talk to you next Monday. Take care, everybody.